This morning we're going to be looking at the rich young ruler. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through to verse 30. According to Mark's Gospel, the man in our passage who came to Jesus had great possessions. According to Luke, he was a ruler. And here in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 20, we're told that he was a young man. Put all that together and what you end up with is a rich young ruler. In other words, someone who had everything or nearly everything going for him. One might say say that he seemed to be the ideal son-in-law. However, one thing that he had failed to achieve for himself thus far was eternal life. And it is for that reason that he came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look again at chapter 19 of Matthew's Gospel. I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest me thou good? There is none good but one that is God. This was no casual inquiry. According to Mark's Gospel, the rich young ruler came running to Jesus. In other words, there was a real sense of urgency. Clearly, obtaining eternal life was of great importance to him. And so it should be. I wonder, do you have the same sense of urgency concerning eternal life? Do you see it as important, something worth running for and inquiring about? Have you done all that stuff yet? Because there's no doubt people who don't even think about these things. Eternal life is so important. It was clearly very important to the rich young ruler. The way things are in this world with evil abounding, with the coronavirus pandemic and with all manner of calamities that show just how fleeting our time is. Have you obtained eternal life? Have you even made any serious inquiries about it? What else needs to go wrong in this world for you to contemplate eternal life? and pursue it. As a Christian, I already have eternal life and that is because I am trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that the rich young ruler came running to. In John chapter 3 verse 16, it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, what? Have everlasting life. It's about believing. Whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe. I am trusting in Jesus as my saviour from sin. 
believing that he fulfilled God's law on my behalf and that he laid down his life to pay the price for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, never to die again. And I believe that I have everlasting life in Jesus. By the grace of God, I believe all of those things. The Son of God is the shepherd of all who believe in him. And they are his sheep who gives them everlasting life. And he says that none of them will ever perish. The trouble with the rich young ruler is that he did not come to Jesus as a needy sinner, seeking forgiveness and seeking eternal life from Jesus. He said, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? By calling Jesus Master, he simply saw him as a teacher. And he wanted to be taught or told what he must do to have eternal life. He didn't think that achieving eternal life was beyond his capabilities. He simply didn't know what to do or how to get it. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus spoke a parable about two men who went into the temple to pray. One of them was a proud Pharisee and he prayed thus to himself, I thank you God that I am not like other men, I'm not a blasphemer, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not this, I'm not that. And he blew his own trumpet. However, the second man, a tax collector, he couldn't even look up to heaven. He simply smote upon his breast, he beat his chest as he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You you consider that tax collector. Jesus said that he went home justified. Not the Pharisee, the tax collector who cried up to heaven, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That was a man who recognised that he could do nothing to have eternal life. He needed to be forgiven his sins. And his trust was most certainly not in himself. There is no sense whatsoever of the rich young ruler being like that tax collector. We don't read about him crying up to heaven with the words, God be merciful to me, a sinner. There was no contrition, there was no repentance for sin. Nothing other than a need to know what he must do to have eternal life. As we shall see, the rich young ruler already imagined himself to be morally fit for heaven. And so it was more a case of him wondering what, if anything, was left for him to do. A law-abiding person, what must he do? Is there anything else in order for him to achieve eternal life? The rich young ruler addressed Jesus not just as master, but as good master. Also, according to Mark's gospel, he kneeled before Jesus. 
So he called him good master and he kneeled before him. It was very respectful and very appropriate for him to act and speak in that way. In fact, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Instead, it's more usual to hear people blaspheming the name of God. We hear it on our televisions, we hear it generally, don't we? But the rich young ruler, he called him good master and he knelt before him. However, in his reply, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the rich young ruler, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. By saying that, Jesus was beginning to deal with the ruler's erroneous idea that there are people, according, sorry, including himself of course, who are actually good and no doubt good enough to go to heaven. It's erroneous because the Bible plainly teaches that no one is good and that includes the very best of us, even those amongst us who never seem to do anything wrong. As painful as it may be to hear and to accept, the reality is that everything we think and say and do is stained through with sin. For example... In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says very plainly and very clearly that there is none that doeth good, no, not one, and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul teaches that we have no righteousness of our own and that we all need the righteousness of God and that the only way to be accepted by God is through faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul most certainly included himself. Even though he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ saying that. In me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Is there anyone in here that still thinks that they are good enough to go to heaven? We'll now come back to that reply of Jesus to the self-righteous rich young ruler when he said to him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. That's what Jesus said to him. No right-minded person would ever suggest that the Lord Jesus Christ is anything less than good. Even though the Bible teaches that there is none good but God, it also teaches that Jesus is without sin. Unlike the rest of us, Jesus is without sin and unlike the rest of us, Not once did he ever do anything wrong. And that bears testimony to the fact that Jesus is good. 
And that he is therefore God manifest in the flesh. The rich young ruler did well to kneel before the Son of God. However, the trouble is that he saw Jesus as nothing more than a teacher, a good teacher, who might just be able to give him some useful tips on what he must do to have eternal life. And it doesn't really go beyond that. I don't necessarily think the rich young ruler was challenged by Jesus saying, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. I don't necessarily think the rich young ruler at that point thought, hey, Jesus is saying that he's God. But we can think about these things. And the reality is that we are not good. There is only one who is good, and that is God. And Jesus is good, and he is God. It's one of the many statements there that when you think about it, although Jesus didn't say, I am God, that is the clear implication. Jesus then went on to explain to the rich young ruler how he might have eternal life. Looking at verse 17, Jesus went on to say, But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honour thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. At first glance there, it would seem that Jesus is saying that the way to have eternal life is through obedience to the law. Do all those things and you will have eternal life. If that is the case, we've all had it. Because... As I've already said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. That means that we have all broken God's law. So, we cannot hope to, to have eternal life through obedience to the law. What Jesus was doing was dealing with the rich young ruler, not just as a sinner, but as an individual. We are all helpless sinners who have failed to keep God's law, but we are not all the same, are we? For example, in John's Gospel, when Jesus spoke to a certain woman, he said to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. When Jesus said that, he knew full well that she had already been married five times and that the man she was living with was not her husband. So so what Jesus was doing was exposing her sexual immorality. God uses his law to expose our sins. For example, the Apostle Paul said, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. In the same way, Jesus, the Son of God, was using the law to expose the sin of the rich young ruler. 
Well, look at verse 20. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? When the Lord Jesus Christ challenged the rich young ruler with the law that deals with our duties to one another, he said, The rich young ruler said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. He seemed to imagine that he kept all those commandments since he was a youth. Clearly, he was sinfully deluded like so many people and he imagined himself to uh, have kept the commandments, to, uh, to have kept God's laws, to be morally blameless like so many people. They actually imagine that they are good enough to go to heaven. At that point, Jesus could have said, you're a liar. But he didn't. Instead, he honed in on the preeminent sin of the rich young ruler, the sin that he made his God. In his case, it was his love of money, a sin that the Bible describes as the root of all evil. Jesus exposed that sin with a challenge to the rich young ruler in verse 21, where Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Let's be very clear about something, and that is that the Lord Jesus Christ is not saying that we all need to sell everything that we possess, and we all need to give the proceeds to the poor. That particular challenge was for a man whose great sin was a love of money and he made that love of money his God. Look at the response of the rich young ruler to that challenge in verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. What a contrast that is to when he came running to Jesus. He came running to Jesus and then he went away sorrowful. Tragically for him, he would not let go of his idol, his love for money and for worldly possessions. If you have eternal life as someone who is trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin, then a clear evidence that God takes the highest place in your affections and in your life the life that you now live in the flesh by faith of the Son of God who loved you and who gave himself for you is that God does not play second fiddle to money, to family, to friends, to possessions, to careers, to hobbies or to anything else for that matter. If you are someone who is following the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't walk away sorrowful because there is something that takes a higher place in your affections than Jesus. Just take a look at what Jesus said in verse 29 about forsaking everything for God. Look at verse 29 there. 
and everyone that have forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And what Jesus said there must surely extend to all Christians in as much if that was the test of their faith that they too would forsake everything for Jesus. Whether they're being asked to or not. That should be your attitude of heart by the grace of God. And then there's in Matthew chapter 10 verse 37 through to 39 where the Son of God said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. There is nothing more important and there's nothing greater, quite frankly, than knowing Jesus and putting him first in your affections, in everything you do. You need to think seriously about these things. The value we place on the things of this world compared with God. Because there are more than a few professing Christians who may well have amazing testimonies about how they became Christians and you will hear these testimonies at baptismal services. Yet for all that, when the trial of faith comes in the form of riches of this world, they show their true colours and they go away sorrowful. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul went on to say, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Therefore, as a Christian, your great desire ought to be, ought to, be to bring forth spiritual fruit, rather than to build an empire for yourself, in this world. This is the reality, or at least it should be the reality. Treasures in heaven, they are what really matter. You come into this world with nothing, you leave this world with nothing, unless by the grace of God, you are storing up for yourself treasures in heaven with the greatest treasure of all being Jesus 
And if that is the case, then you, at least, then you leave this world clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last of all, we'll take a look at verses 23, 2 to 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In verse 23 and 24, by talking about a camel going through the eye of a needle, Jesus is declaring what? The impossibility of a rich man entering the kingdom of God, as can be seen with the rich young ruler. The response of the disciples in verse 25 is very revealing. Look again at verse 25 there. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? When they said, Who can be saved? Who then can be saved? They applied the what Jesus had said to everyone, not just to rich people. Significantly, Jesus did not correct them either. We've got no reason to imagine those disciples were rich. Maybe some of them were, maybe they weren't. Most of them were just fishermen. And still they said, who then can be saved? The fact of the matter is that it's not just the rich who are prone to have a love for money, is it? You can be a pauper and you can still dream of riches and not give a single thought to God. You can have nothing in your wallet, spend all day thinking about money and not give God a thought. A lesson for us to learn is that left to our own devices, None of us can be saved, ever. None of us can ever have eternal life. None of us can ever enter the kingdom of God. However, the good news is that as Jesus says in verse 26, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In verse 16, the rich young ruler asked the Lord Jesus Christ, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And here in verse 26, Jesus gives the answer, with men this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. There's your answer. Dear friends, that is an affirmation of the doctrine of grace, which is about God's undeserved favour towards helpless sinners, it is a doctrine that tells us that salvation is not of us, it is of the Lord. As it is written in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace are ye saved 
through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast if ever that rich young ruler did receive eternal life you can be sure that he will not be in heaven boasting about what he did to reach heaven he will be too busy praising and worshipping his great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, along with everyone else who is in heaven. Whoever you are, tinker, tailor, soldier, sailor, rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, it matters not. Do you imagine that you keep God's law? That you are morally blameless? And that you are therefore well able to secure eternal life for yourself. If by the grace of God the answer is no way, and you know only too well that you are a hell-deserving sinner, then don't delay. Call on the name of Jesus, believing that he carried your sins in his body at the cross. You will then be saved and you will receive eternal life. And to God be the glory. Amen.